welcome to Desire Made Real, a Discovery of Witches podcast where we recap every episode of the television show, mostly spoiler-free. I'm one of your hosts, Mandy Kay, and when I'm not talking about Matthew and Diana, I am obsessively playing Fallout 4. And I'm Caitlin, and when I'm not talking about a Discovery of Witches, I'm currently reading The Atlas Six by Olivia Blake, which is... That is on my list. I have seen really good things about it on TikTok. Yeah. So it's on my list, but I haven't read it yet. Well, you're in kind of an in-between time because it was originally self-published. And I, I picked up the self-published version, but it has now been picked up to be published by Tor. So you oh. can't really get the self-published version. And the Tor version doesn't come out till next month. Well, crap. I think you can get it on Kindle if you want. Okay. Still, but that's but if you wait yeah. until March, you'll get the new version because I think it's been edited for the tour release. Mm. But it'll be in. Are a you nice, enjoying it? Uh, well, I'm on like chapter three, so. Oh, okay. I will so say the early. beginning bit is a little slow because it's just about this dude going around to the six main characters and inviting them to like a, a meeting, and, and mm-hmm. so you're just sort of getting introduced to the characters, and I'm a little bit like, this could have been half the length it is but i guess you're getting like backstory on them yeah okay yeah no it's come up several times because i my tiktok has like i'm kind of on the book talk side of tiktok a little just a little and like so many people have talked about that book and so i'm just like ooh, sounds interesting the writing is very smart so far okay wow i generally tend to think that if you like it i will like it so that is, that, yeah, that generally kind of is right. <laughs> I mean, we do podcasts about two fictional universes together, so clearly we have a similar taste. I mean, you do like that that really bad book series, I think. Oh, shoot, what is it? It's a vampire series from, like, the early 2000s. Uh, the House of Night? Yeah, it's that one. I despise those books. Oh, I love those books. I mean, the writing is not good. Like, I recognize the writing is not good, but I still love it. Yeah, no. I th- but I think that's really the only thing we've covered across that we're like on two completely opposite sides of. So, <laughs> all right. Anyways, each week we'll recap the episode, not spoiler free at all, because we're at the end now, and who cares? We'll also include a segment at the end to discuss the books, how well the adaptation works, and we will likely dive into some spoilers here and everywhere else. So probably <laughs> no warning. My apologies. <laughs> Episode yeah. six was written by Christopher Caldwell, Coldwell, Cold something, and directed by Jamie Donahue. Again, Jamie is back for the ending here. Well, actually, I don't know who directs next week, but yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, we did have a previously on, and my notes for this are just fucking Knox, because most of the previously on was Peter Knox. I definitely skipped the previously on, but I agree with fucking Knox. I mean, <laughs> that came out wrong, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like, I, I feel like I can't, like, that's his name now. It's just fucking Knox. Now that I've said it the other way, I can't hear it any other way, and it, I don't like it. <laughs> Anyways, Matthew's driving through some creepy woods. Oh, no, yeah. that's later. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. He's driving, and then we flash back to the chateau where he and Diana do have a nice goodbye. It really looked like he was going to sneak away, and I was like, oh, Jesus, Matthew. But no, then Diana caught him, and they had a, a goodbye. Yeah. I think his plan was to sneak out. Yeah. But she's like, uh-uh. So I guess my exasperated Jesus Christ Matthew does uh, does apply. It does. It absolutely does. And the song that plays here is called Genesis by Ruel. Yes. I looked this one up. I looked this song up and I looked the song at the end up. Mm, so did um, I. Because I was like, I knew that Caitlin was going to pay attention to them because they the songs were like the focus. Right, because the song was so loud and there's no dialogue here. It's yeah. just cutting between things. Um, they, they're a little on the nose um, this episode. They, they tend to do that with some of their songs, though. Yes, but I like a lot of the music that they choose, so it doesn't bother me. I'm aware. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> and then we have the opening credits, whatever. And then we have, like, this great behind shot of Diana, and it's just, like, hair. That's all I mm-hmm. think of in that scene. It's her, because her hair's all down and kind of messy, and it looks intense. It's the most intense hair. She does have a lot of hair. Um, I like the scene. Uh, it's Diana and Marcus, and Marcus is trying so desperately to put on the the air of the Grand Master of the Knights of Lazarus and tell Diana what she's going to do. And Diana's like, "No, no, that's not what we're doing. I'm going to Oxford." 
My note here just says, Marcus, no one moves. Diana, try and stop me. Yes, that's exactly what happened. I, I love it. Like, I love Marcus trying to be, like, Edward Blumel. That's his name, right? Right? Yes. Is that his name? That's his name. He's just, right. he's just Marcus to me. Yeah. But, like, his face in, in this scene is just wonderful to me. Like, the face acting that he does. Because he's like a kid standing in his dad's shoes. He's trying so hard to be tough and to lay the law down and make people listen to him. And he just looks so apprehensive. And it's like he's ending every sentence with a question mark. Mm -hmm. And Diana's just like, no, I love it. Um, And then they join everybody else and inform everyone that Matthew has left alone to go find Benjamin. And Jack's a little upset about this. And she announces that she's going to the library to get the book. Yeah. And Hamish is there. And Hamish is there because we need his helicopter. I mean, come on. That's the only reason Hamish is here. Because we need his helicopter. I also just like Hamish, okay? I'm happy he's Oh, I like Hamish, too. I love book Hamish. Yeah, that's fair. A lot. We don't really. I mean, there's a lot of characters, and it's very few episodes. So I guess it's fair that we don't see him too much. But Yeah. So there's this bit where Diana makes a library card for Sarah. And... I like this little bit of magic here, but I miss that we got, like, a heist in the book. And oh. I want that. <laughs> and also, I I wish they, well, I mean, I understand that we don't have time to delve into how magic works. But this looks very much like she just created something out of nothing. And I don't know if that fits the world, the world building. Mm. That's true. I I really like the idea that in the world that the show has given us, mm. having Diana bring everything together with the book and do it all with magic and not a practical heist, I think works really well for the character development and the arc that we've seen. Yes. No, I, I do. Yes, I agree with that. I just wish, like, maybe even if she just had a picture of Sarah, like, how did she create that picture of Sarah? Did she just... I, I don't know. It bothers me. Yeah. No, but, I understand. I do. But I also, I just, I like it. I like it. It's fair. I like, we, we get a lot of magic this season, and I do like that. Mm-hmm. It's nice to finally get a lot of magic when, you know, it's a show called A Discovery of Witches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Venice. Then, then we go to Venice. Yes. And Javert um, is wearing the worst necklace of all time. Yes. Like, I think it can't decide if it wants to be like a necklace or like, I don't even have the word because it's kind of connected to some buttons or something. I don't know. It's, it's just, it's weird. It doesn't, it doesn't know what it is. I don't like it. And I, and it's not that I don't like it. And like, I think Gerbert made a weird choice. It's that I think the costuming department made a weird choice. You know, honestly, though, I think it, I, I agree. The costume department did make a weird choice, but I think Gerber, God, especially in this episode, how pompous and arrogant he is, it fits because it feels very flamboyant and like ceremonial-ish. And he's trying so hard to show that he has the power and that he's going to be in charge. Because Gerber so is- I feel like it fits, but it just, I I hate it. It's ugly. I don't know. Because Gerbert is based on like a real historical person, it would be hilarious if this was connected somehow to that real historical <laughs> person and we just didn't know and we sound like idiots. But yeah, yeah. There Maybe there's like a painting of, of this person wearing a necklace. Or maybe that's like part of a traditional from, you know, hundreds of years ago, Pope outfit because Gerbert was a Pope. I don't know. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so in this scene, Gerber is doing what Gerber does best, and he is being an arrogant asshole, meeting with the demons to plot overthrowing Agatha out of the congregation. Mm-hmm. Um, Baldwin comes in, and Gerber does all of his monologuing and like manipulates Baldwin by saying things like, as Philippe's only remaining full-blooded son, I would hope I have your support. And Baldwin just lets himself be manipulated. My note here is just somehow Domenico is the smartest person in the room. How did that happen? Like, Gerbert is dumb thinking that, A, he can do this. Like, he can kick Agatha off and that won't come back to bite him. And Baldwin just 
lets himself go along with this plan and the two demons are like yeah we're gonna betray the one person who's had our backs this whole time who literally puts like there's one person who's been putting demons first and they're like Mm -hmm. yeah let's get rid of her like what well i can only assume that jerbear threatened them somehow because when we came into the scene they did both look afraid and jerbear said i think we all understand each other you know and so that that feels very threatening and so i'm i'm guessing that's what he did um I but hope so, because otherwise. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's, Jer Bear is a smarmy asshole. I hate him. Yeah. Um, then we cut to a really quick scene uh, between Marcus and Fernando. And Marcus asks Fernando to bring Gallo Glass back without actually having to say it. So this is a weird scene to me. Because, like, how, how does Marcus know or care about what's going on with Gallo Glass? Well, he just knows that Glalo Glass left, and he probably doesn't explicitly know why. He just knows he's not there. Well, and why does Marcus think they need him? Why does what? I mean, Marcus, Marcus was hell bent on nobody leaving, and now they're leaving to go do things. He just wants extra protection because Matthew's not there. I understand that. There's a bunch of vampires in this house. Why not send one of them? You wouldn't have to be all clandestine about this weird Fernando thing. Like, it just doesn't make sense. I get that they, like, Galaglass does come back in the book, and, and they had to have that happen somehow. So I get that they just had to put in a scene for that. But this one doesn't make sense to me. Okay. Fair enough. Also, the blasé treatment of the pages. Like, Diana just, like, flittering them about. Right. Just put them They're in They're remarkably protective... well-preserved. Like, protect them somehow, please. Like, put them in a folder, plastic sleeve, something. Yeah, exactly. Um, My next note just says Diana and Sarah. Diana is wearing blue. I did write down that I love Diana's shiny blue shirt. Yes. I don't remember what else Diana and Sarah talked about in this in this scene. It was quick. I think Sarah Sarah just said that Fernando already left, and then Diana was like, oh, change of plan. Mm, got it. I literally wrote down a note here that just says, I don't remember if the, and then I just stopped. Okay. (laughs) Thanks. Man, we are on fire today. Thanks, past self. Very (laughs) useful. Marcus and Phoebe. Oh, the scene. He's, He's trying to be a good vampire leader. He's trying to make contingency plans for if things go wrong. He's trying to be like Matthew, and Phoebe is not having it. I, yes, I get where Marcus is thinking. If she doesn't become part of the family, then none of this will affect her and she just can go on living her human life. But right. A, that's dumb because Phoebe's not going to forget everything. Right. You know, and also I don't think like if everything goes bad, which is what that plan is in case of, I cannot imagine a world in which your bear doesn't think, actually, maybe we should just take over. You know, like, fuck right. hiding from the humans. We're mm-hmm. in charge of everything now. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't matter. It would affect her anyways. Yeah. Yep. But, you know, she's very clear with Marcus that she is not okay with any of this and that she will be sired and she will stay with him. I support her. Yes. I am glad we got this another scene with them and that they they do have a um, like a bit of a plot. They're not just kind of there for no reason. They have like Right. A They're not just being kissy facey with each other. Yeah. In every scene. Yeah. Yeah. Then we finally get the scene that shows us Gallo Glass and his tattoo that we got the sneak preview of before the show ever dropped. And I was like, I really want to see Gallo Glass and his tattoo. <laughs> was it everything you wanted? <sighs> no. Oh. No, it wasn't long enough. Oh, I see. Yeah. Would you have preferred it if he was wearing less clothes? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I asked that and then took a sip of tea. That was almost dangerous. <laughs> it's just, it's interesting too because the way the um it's like the sneak preview that they did before uh the show dropped, whenever they were on the set and they were showing everything and uh Stephen Cree was talking about the tattoo shop and the tattoo that he has, I expected it to be a bigger part of the story. And it literally is nothing other than it's a scene to show us just how much Diana has been on his mind because he got Cora 
I mean, for book readers. season tattooed on him. Yeah, it is absolutely an Easter egg for book readers. Yeah. But, like, I think I just expected it to, to be bigger, to have meaning to the the story this season. And it didn't. It's literally just there to make book readers happy. Yep. Which is um, fine, I guess. But, I mean, it was it's still pretty nice to look at. Also, they're in Brighton. I've been to Brighton. That's my only note on that. <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm actually pretty I, sure they're still technically in Wales, but you're supposed to right. be there in Brighton. Right, exactly. I do love the juxtaposition at the end of the scene. Um, Gallo Glass says, my days of being at the de Claremont's beck and call are over. Mm-hmm. And then the next scene is he's standing there waiting for Diana, and she's just so happy to see him. Yeah, I, I'm kind of of two minds about that. Like, I, I, I agree with him. Maybe, like, he should go away for a while, do his own thing, don't take any orders from anybody. But at the same time, I'm like, but it's the new Scion now, and it's different, hopefully. I don't know. Yeah, I like what he said to Diana in this scene, though. He goes, let's go finish what we started. And I think he needs to do that. I think, you know, let's finish this chapter, get rid of all of, you know, get rid of Benjamin, heal the book, get Diana to where she wanted to be. And then leave. Yeah, I guess in a way, Galaglass has been involved in all this longer than anyone else yeah absolutely um so i think he needs to be a part of this yeah yes i am glad and he I, comes back obviously i love that yeah. lot, so it's great and then we get the most random quick scene matthew parks on the side of the road and runs into the woods <laughs> that's it and then we go back to the bod I, I do just want to mention that Diana is also wearing a blue coat over her shiny blue shirt, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I wrote down, they found the loneliest road through the woods. It's just this, like, one lane, and then woods yep. as far as the eye can see. And then he just yep. pulls over and go, goes for a stroll off into the creepy woods. Yeah, like, it. Like why? Why did they waste seconds on that when they had to cut so much stuff out this season? I guess like, it's just I, to keep us in mind that Matthew is on his own journey whilst we're, I don't know. I got nothing. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, my next um, note is all caps, I miss the heist. I just want everyone to know. Oh, I want, the, I want them to break in at night and have a whole big thing. Oh, well. Fine. The boys look super awkward too. Yeah, they do. They're just standing outside keeping watch. Yeah, like, like, okay, we'll just stand here and look around. You can pretend to be tourists or something. Like, come on. Right? And Sarah looks so out of place too when she walks in and she's like in awe. I'm like, oh my God, Sarah, keep it under wraps. <laughs> this is a clandestine mission. Right? But this is the moment that we've all been waiting for. Like, Diana just simply requests the book. And we're all wondering, with bated breath, is the book going to come to her? It doesn't, of course. Mm -hmm. But then it just magically appears in the lift, and she says, check the lift again. And the lady's like, I literally just pulled all of the books out of it. Please check the lift again, and there's magically a book there. I enjoy that you wrote down, like, smart notes here. I only have irreverent notes. (laughs) Did you write down anything about, like, why did she choose to take it to the table closest to the help desk? Oh, I did, like, yes. Yes. Why that didn't was... she go a little bit further away? Yes. That right beside, like, I feel like it's a big library. They could have been a little more hidden. Absolutely. Right? Um, but also, I am sad that they didn't get Sean back. I, I mean, I guess that would have complicated mm. things. Yeah. But that would have been nice. And then, okay, the lady in the basement getting the books. I swear that's the same actress from season one. Or she, she looks exactly the same. And for, like, having been on screen for maybe five seconds in season one and then maybe two seconds this season, I'm impressed that they got the same lady back. I don't know if it's the same lady, but cool. It look, I, I have no idea how to look up who that actress is, but she looks the same. So I'm going mm. with it. And then I kind of wanted to check in because I have personally come full circle here. So when we were doing season one, I mentioned that this was my dream job to be alone in a basement with old books. And then when we did, I remember when we were doing season two, we had been I'd been working from home due to covid for a couple months and Mm -hmm. I hated it. I hated being alone all the time. And so I was like, 
oh no, maybe I couldn't do that. I guess it's not my dream job being alone in a basement. But no, 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 no. I just needed to get used to it. And now the very idea of going back to working with people is the worst idea in my whole brain. Oh no. And I like being alone. So I've come full circle and it is once again my dream job. Okay. Listeners, there you have it. If any of you know of a job where Caitlin can work in a basement by herself, let her know. Well, I mean, right now I'm not working at all. So that's actually my preferred job. <laughs> right? That Yeah, I think that's my preferred job too. Um, I love the lady at the front desk. She has basically no screen time, but she does this part well. The look on her face mm-hmm. when she finds that book is there after like the second time checking is fabulous and how she just keeps looking over at them suspiciously. Mm-hmm. She sold it. Yeah, she did. Absolutely. Um, we get the second use of the masking spell this yep. season uh, where Diana just casts this like magical bubble around her so that people can't see what's actually happening, which is interesting. And then she heals the book. Three seasons. We've mm-hmm. been waiting for this. She heals the book. And it's slightly anticlimactic. Yes. I th- I, my note here is, would any of this make any sense if you hadn't read the books? I don't think so. Because oh, interesting. I, like, I know what the Brightborn are and mm. what Diana finds in the book. But if you hadn't mm-hmm. read the books, you wouldn't know. None of this would make any sense. Oh, that's interesting. It I didn't would, even think about that. Exactly. It, it would just be gibberish. Yeah. So I'm not saying that's necessarily bad because it is just like information coming into her head so she would just be spewing it out right mm-hmm. um but it would just be a completely different experience that i can't relate to at all right yeah they i think they did a really good job of showing her absorbing the book and the words like under her skin and stuff yeah i think they did a really good job with that like the effects yes and the, that the does filming of that they did really well i do so it is anticlimactic but they kind of wrote themselves into a corner there or they didn't have time to do it because in the book, it's it's just completely different. You right? they break in mm-hmm. after night or in the middle of the night and the the library is under construction and they have to like use Cora and there's like Diana and Cora strike a deal and it's it's. And you get the feeling from the conversation that they have that the healing of the book and the deal that she strikes with Cora and everything that's happening is about the reemergence of witches in general and them coming back into their bigger powers, mm-hmm. not just Diana. Mm-hmm. So it is very different. And I'm I'm sad that they didn't have the time to give it that big climactic moment that it's not just healing the book and moving the storyline along. It's... It, it was just a much bigger moment in the book. And I'm, right. I get that they had no time. And it, in a way, I guess it, it isn't the climactic moment of the story. So it's not supposed to be, I guess, for a television show, the biggest moment. But I am sad that it's not something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then, we, you know, they leave. They go out, tell Gallo Glass and... Fernando, that, that they have it, they're ready to go. Sarah opens the book and realizes that the actual book is blank because Diana has absorbed it all and Diana is essentially the book now. And look, I'm pretty sure the camera makes it look like it's not raining, but it is raining. And she's just flipping through the book. And I'm like, dude, get in the car. Flip through. It's raining out. <laughs> I didn't notice it was raining. The, well, the car looks like it's raining. And I'm just, just get inside, Sarah. <laughs> Um, And then there was a quick, so I didn't actually make a note of this, but there's a rando guy who, when there was a surge of magic, when she healed the book, this, they, the camera went on this rando guy and he like, oh yeah, stopped walking and turned around or whatever. And I was like, that's weird. Who's that guy? And then that same rando dude calls Knox to tell him that, that Diana left the library. Yeah. So a Knox spy. Yes. And then back to Matthew on his jaunt through the woods. Where Mm -hmm. he's found a creepy abandoned building. No. No, thank you. So he wanders around just kind of looking at things. And then he starts looking for Benjamin. 
Like, seriously, it's so weird. He just starts, like, walking room to room. Like, he's a vampire. He should be able to smell where things are, where the people are. He should be able to hear. And instead, he's just kind of taking his time wandering from room to room. My note here is that uh, it is my personal dream to walk into a creepy-ass building and find torture devices and then never have a peaceful night's sleep ever again. (laughs) Sounds good, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Then we go back to Venice. And Gerbert drops kind of a bomb on Domenico. No, wait, that doesn't matter. None of that matters. We have to talk about Gerbert's line of come join the celebrations. He is alone in this room. There's like six bottles of wine and four glasses with like half full of wine. He is faking having a party with himself. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I didn't even notice any of that. (laughs) There's literally like... Three maybe, and then there's three half-ish full glasses of wine, and then he pours one for Domenico, and then he walks over to a couch with a small table in which there's more bottles of wine and more glasses half full of wine, Uh, and there's nobody there. Oh, my God. (laughs) I didn't even notice any of that. What are you doing, Gerbert? Or have you gone round a bend? Have you lost your mind? I like that idea. He may have lost his mind. I guess we're supposed to think that people just left, but who? Yeah, Why? I think so, yeah. What was happening? What? I don't know. It doesn't make sense. It really doesn't make sense, especially for it to be that many people. Yes. He would have been there. I like to think he's gone just a little off kilter. Um, this is the scene where we learn that Jerbear has actually been positioning this anti-declarement plan for centuries. Yep. Um, he started putting these pieces in place when he met Benjamin years ago and realized who he was. And this is where it's also confirmed for us that Benjamin is the one who tortured Philip. Philippe. Philippe. Yeah. Philippe. Sorry. Not the baby. Not the baby. Yes. Um, But it's, it is a blink and you'll miss it moment. Yeah. Um, But Gerber does confirm it here. And that Gerber had possibly a hand in Philippe getting captured. Yes. Yep. Which is shitty. And it's like particularly shitty because Matthew blames himself because he was the one who actually killed Philippe right. for all these years, you know? And it just, just to know that so many people had a hand in wanting him gone. Like, mm-hmm. ugh. I mean, my only real note here is that it looks like Gerber is pretending he has friends. So maybe <laughs> Gerber's life hasn't been great either, but still. Uh, we go back to Poland. Benjamin comes in. Benjamin and Matthew talk, and he basically tells Matthew that he is what Matthew made him. And Matthew says that he regrets not killing him. It's a lot of blah, blah, blah back and forth. I actually really honestly. like that they had a good talk. Like, I guess, I guess it is kind of blah, 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 but I feel like that's what this show is like it's not an action adventure show you know it's about yeah. the characters so i am glad that the fight is kind of uh before they fight they have a really good conversation where they kind of well in a way on the cards are laid on the table i don't know if benjamin right. they ever are says, honest with each other i don't know if benjamin ever says a true thing but like ever in his life right but some things are kind of brought up and so i well i, did I like mean it. i think he I think it was true. I mean, because Matthew asks him why now. Um, And Benjamin said that he had to wait for him to be happy. Like he wanted him to be happy before he destroyed him. And I I think that's a true thing. I I guess because they didn't have time to go into book Benjamin's motivations, they have kind of changed him to just wanting to fuck over Matthew. Yeah. And I can I can I can respect that because he has a line later um, when he's talking to Satu or he says, like, I don't, you can do whatever you want with Diana. I don't care. I just want Matthew. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that is the complete opposite of Book Benjamin. But if that's what we're going with, that's what we're going with. Well, no, it's an absolute lie, though, because in this scene, he tells Matthew that he wants Diana. That's what starts the fight. Well, this one, that could be the lie here. Like, oh, that's fair. Right? Like, that's we, fair. I genuinely don't know. Yeah. Like, he could have just said that to uh, Ryle Matthew. Provoke him. Yeah. Provoke is a much better word. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, because it does. That's mm-hmm. that's what starts the physical fight is Benjamin saying he wants Diana. And I really like this fight scene. Matthew is stronger. 
Yeah. He drags, I mean, and he should be. He's older. He sired Benjamin. He's got more experience. He drags Benjamin out, throws him down the hall. And as he's about to kill him, he says, it's not your fault. I wasn't a good father. And he's getting ready to kill him. Fucking Satu shows up and yes. takes Matthew down. Like, what? Okay. So. <laughs> That's the twist from, I don't, like, because from, from our perspective, what we saw in the show is he tried to recruit Satu and she said no. And apparently then, at some point in there she said yes because she just showed up out of fucking nowhere. Well, this was her I'm not the main character moment, so I guess I have to be a proper villain in order to be relevant to the story. Ah, okay. I, um, hmm. what am I saying? So A, she shows up and she's very evil, but A, but she looks fucking cool. Oh, yes, she does. Oh, my God. Whoever costume department, you have redeemed yourself from that stupid necklace. (laughs) She looks amazing. And whoever did the lighting in the scene where Benjamin and Satu are just talking, genius. So good. Mm -hmm. This actress has just a very good evil presence. Love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very Drusilla vibes, I feel. Oh, yeah. Especially in the Slightly less crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, she's slightly. Little, yeah. Slightly. I guess less than Drusilla. True. Yeah. And but then something we should talk about is how this is completely different than the book. This absolutely mm-hmm. did not happen in the book. Benjamin and Tattoo, I don't even think ever met. Yeah, I don't think so. She certainly didn't work with them. So I like that and... this was kind of a twist for book readers. Right. Because uh, I guess have just thrown the whole no spoilers thing out the window anyway. So. Yes, we have one. Well, like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe and maybe we'll talk about this a little more next week because it matters more next week. But um, in the book, Satu actually joins Diana's side of the fight. Well, Diana... And they redeem her. Well, I mean, Diana, Diana kind threatens of block, her. Yeah. She, like, blackmails her and threatens her, but still gets her to do the right thing. And she has a mini redemption arc. And... They did not do that at all in the show. Like, yeah. they took her, they they did a 180 and said, nope, we're going to step up the villainous, villainy. I wonder I right if it's because, like, I wonder if it was like, we want Satu to be evil, so we'll change this. Or if they thought, we want we want Sarah to kill Knox, so we'll change that. And then they put Satu into Knox's role. Because this whole season, when I was watching it the first time, I was like, how... Have they not said that Knox is working with Benjamin? When is Knox going to meet Benjamin? When is this going to happen? And my brain didn't even click that they were setting up Satu to work with Benjamin until this episode when Knox dies. And I'm like, wait, what the heck? What's going on? Yeah, no, that's probably why, because they wanted Sarah to do it, to do Knox in, which I'm really glad they did, you know, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Yeah. But so it's just it's I like that they. You pulled one over on me, who's read the books like three or four times, you know? Yeah. Um, so talking about Satu, in this next scene, the one where Satu and Benjamin are now talking, they're standing in one of the rooms that he held, which is captive. Mm-hmm. And Satu is kind of radiating power. She can recognize that something bad has happened here. He's done bad things to witches here. Yep. And she's angry. But she's not angry enough to do anything about it because she wants Diana more. And so she lets it go. What do you like, think she wants Diana for? I don't know. Honestly, I think she wants to kill her either to take her power or to just neutralize her power so that she can be the stronger witch. So that she can be the main character finally. Yeah. Like, I can't. Nothing else makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember if we get. I don't. I don't think Diana really lets her. Mm, I don't remember what happens next episode if they like talk. She also tries to convince Benjamin to go ahead and kill Matthew because, as she says, Diana will come whether he's dead or alive. Yeah. But Benjamin doesn't want to kill him I, yet. I get it that he wants to torture Matthew, but this does just seem like some plot armor, you know? Like, the, why not just kill him? Yeah. Like, that's literally the reason you don't get what you want, Benjamin. He also, this is the scene where he tells Satu, I have no interest in my father's witch, and I think that's a lie. You think that because one of the things he was trying to do with the witches he held captive was to sire children. And he knows it's possible with Diana, and I think that's why he wants Diana. It, it is in the book, definitely. But that's what he's, he said that in this episode. 
when he was talking to Matthew and he was talking about how um, he didn't even know it was possible for a witch to still have a child with a blood rage vampire, but Diana could do it. This is hilarious to me because Satu can do it too. And he doesn't know that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's put those dots together. Yeah. It's because the bad guys don't actually talk to each other. <laughs> yeah. Or if they do, it's just manipulation and lies. Right. I wonder what his plan is then, like, to kill Satu, to lie to her. Like, what? I I don't know. I guess I just, I'd be interested to see how that went if Benjamin won. You, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. But I feel like, I feel like Benjamin is super cocky. Like, the way that Satu That's why him and Satu Matthew get down, along. Right. But, but Satu took Matthew down so quickly. And Matthew was stronger than Benjamin. And so, like, I feel like Benjamin should recognize that Satu is a little bit stronger than he is. I will say, um, what in the world am I saying? Uh, Matthew was surprised. Somehow he didn't smell that there or hear because they can hear witch blood singing. Yeah. He didn't know there was a witch there. That actually seems like a bit of a plot hole now that I say that out loud. But whatever, moving on. Um, and so maybe Benjamin thinks that he wouldn't be surprised, so he'd be able to... Mm. Maybe get her first somehow, but yeah, Satu is very powerful. I would say she's the like Diana's the only one who is more powerful than her. So yeah. Uh, then we cut back to the gang finally getting to the helipad to go back to Sator. Somehow it's dark now. You know, even though it was just daylight when they were at the library. Well, um, they might have had to drive back to London. That's a bit of a drive from Oxford. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Peter Knox is there waiting for them. And Gallo Glass says he'll take care of it, but Sarah says, no, this is witch business. Yeah. Peter Knox is unhinged here. Does he look drunk to you? He, I don't know if drunk, maybe not drunk, but just drunk on power and desperation, maybe. Maybe, but there was one point where he was kind of slurring his words together, and that was Mm. just the impression I got. Could be wrong. But yeah, no, he's a wreck, and I love it. Yeah, I know. Trevor yep. Peel, was that his name? Something like that. Yeah. Like, he's fantastic in this role. Like, completely oh, yeah. unhinged. And the the scene, like, he's monologuing at them and hurling insults. He says that killing Emily wasn't murder. It wasn't even self-defense. It was pest control. Yeah, that's terrible. Like, oh, my God. Like, it's just it's awful. And, like, he starts... Yeah, like mocking Sarah because she's clearly casting a spell and he's like you don't have the power and she says I have a spell and it's a beautiful beautiful moment do you think that's the spell Diana gave her yes yeah okay that's, absolutely 100%. that's what I assumed also uh but they don't say explicitly so I just wanted to see if we were all on the yeah. same page there um before he says the thing about M though he says he looks at Diana and, and can tell that she's absorbed the book And he starts saying how, you know, she doesn't understand it. That's not like she was so arrogant to do that. It wasn't for her. And I just don't understand how these people keep underestimating Diana. Like Knox knows that she time traveled. He knows that she could use like elemental magic that hadn't been seen in decades or centuries. Like they they literally have seen with their own eyes that she is the most powerful witch alive. And they still keep saying, no, you don't deserve this. It isn't for you. I'm like, what? You're just dumb. Arrogance. I don't know. There's arrogance and then there's just being fucking stupid. Well, I mean, yeah, it's fucking Knox. So, yeah. Uh, (sighs) But, but Knox is dead. And and killed Sarah. Sarah. I love it. I love Uh, it. My note here Um, is that I'm not usually one to support vengeance as a way of healing, but I truly feel it was needed. (laughs) Yeah. I love the shot. All that's left, my note is all that's left is his little ball and the camera lingers on it. And it's 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 a wonderful moment. That it, that was very well done. Yeah, I I do like that they changed it so that Sarah got to kill him. That was mm-hmm. really good, and I love it. I get why in the book Diana killed him because that's like the point of view character. So that right, was really yeah. the only reason we or the only way that we would feel like oh thank God, right? You know. So, but I, just from a story perspective, I love that Sarah got to kill him. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, they go back to Sator, and she shows off the words in her skin that she has the book. She is the book. Uh, then we go back to Venice. Chris Baldwin is still at the Chateau, which I thought was interesting. I genuinely thought he would have left. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's fun. Going to stay with Miriam, I guess. 
I did I did kind of write down that I like to think that he and Miriam have just been fucking all over the chateau. Right? <laughs> just any any room. All the rooms. Um, we go back to Venice. Baldwin and Domenico have a little chat. Um, Domenico tells Baldwin that Gerbert has been orchestrating this from the start with Benjamin. Mm-hmm. And and I like that Domenico is finally trying to stand up for what he thinks is right is the wrong word because it's not a right or wrong matter in this moment because it's all wrong. But like he doesn't agree with what Gerbert is doing. And he's finally like saying, I don't agree with this. And he's trying to do something about it. I think it is kind of a right or wrong, though, because he does say, you know, I feel like for all these years we have done, we've made the right decisions in order to protect creatures and all these things. But now that is not what's happening. Right. So Domenico is, it's a slight redeeming moment that he's trying to yeah. fix what Bear's doing, I guess, instead of trying to maneuver people to give him power, which is what he spent a lot of time doing in seasons one and two. Yes, and I think this, in the long run, will work out better for him. Like, yeah. this will get him actual friends and allies. Yeah, it could. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, then we get unhinged Diana. <laughs> she looks like a mad woman because she's trying to frantically write down as much as she can from the book. Yeah. Um, to help, particularly in this moment, Chris and Miriam with the blood rage problem. I just wrote down and, that Diana has a little too much going on in her head right here. Yeah. Um, when I think about Diana's hair, this is the scene I think about. Yeah. Because she's just sitting on the floor and her hair is down and it's just all around her as she's frantically scribbling. She looks like a mad woman. <laughs> it's true. And it's the next day and she's still in the same outfit. So we can assume she's been doing this all night. All night. Yes. Um, I do love that that Chris gets her to stop and to take a break by telling her that, you know, they need some time to catch up to what she's already given them so yeah. she can take a break. Um, and he calls her D. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. I like it. I like it. It's just a, a moment of quick familiarity that comes from someone outside of, like, the main few. Okay. In, I enjoyed it. Sorry, yes. In that way, I do like it. I don't like D as a nickname for Diana. I don't know. Got it. Just call her Di. Although I don't like that. Uh, sorry, everyone calls my mom Di. My mom's name is Diana. So, mm. no, 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 no. I don't like any of it. it. My mom being named Diana does make this kind of weird for me. I'm not going to lie. But <laughs> I try to put it. And my dad's name is Jack. So. Oh, but it's not Jack Blackfriars. <laughs> Sadly, no. <laughs> um, We end the episode with... uh. Sarah is trying to deal with the fact that she killed Knox. And I love that we have this scene. Yes. Even though he got what he deserved and she knows he deserved it, she's still struggling with the power that she wielded and what she did. She still um, did murder a dude in cold blood. Yeah. Exactly. It is, and it's not easy to deal with that ramification. And she very explicitly says that she doesn't want that kind of power ever again. I love that. I do too. I love like, it. Because so much of this show and, and the books are about people trying to get power. Mm -hmm. And it's just so nice that we have someone who's like, I just want to be in my house making my spells, doing my thing. I don't want more. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. I think Sarah's my most favorite ever. I do. I love Sarah. I yeah. love Alex Kingston in this role. Yes. And it's, I, I wasn't sure really when they cast Alex Kingston. Um, I was really excited because I love her. And then, like, season one, Sarah, I was a little bit unsure because she's just so different than how I pictured her in the book. But she's just, she's killed it. It's yeah. been amazing. I love her. <sighs> and then we end the episode with Marcus and Benjamin. I wrote down Marcus, the bearer of fabulous news. Oh, <laughs> Because he just walks in and he looks so dour. Oh, it's yeah. bad. Yep. Benjamin has sent yet another video, captured Matthew and wants Diana to know so that Diana will come rescue him. Yep. Uh, it's great. And Matthew is sort of lying there muttering to himself, which is also wonderful. Not creepy at all. And did you write down the name of the song that we get here? Yeah, it's Street Spirit in, in parentheses Fade Out by Radiohead. Uh, but this is covered by, I think, Rosie Carney. Yes. Um. Again, just, just kind of on the nose, sitting there singing about fading out as yeah. Matthew is lying on a table, being drained of life. 
And the show literally yes. fades out. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we have one episode left. Like, we, this is all coming to a head. All right. So I think I think we are both going to have the same answer here. But do we have a favorite part? Um, Sarah murdering Knox is yeah, mine. Sarah, 100%. Sarah murdering Knox. Like, her, her, but I have a spell. Like, I literally, the first time I watched it, I cheered. Mm-hmm. Like, legit yep. cheered out loud, clapped, yep. and was just so excited in that moment. Yep. We were, I was watching with some friends, and we were very happy. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there was a lot of good stuff in this episode, but that I think that was the, the big one. Yes. I Well, I think everything else in the show that I liked, I can still nitpick. And that one, I'm like, no, everything was perfect about it. Just murder that asshole. <laughs> I did like Gallo Glass coming back and Gallo Glass... Diana hugging him. That was a good moment, yes. Um, and I liked being back in Oxford because it was nice to to see where we started, I guess. Yeah. I'm, well, and like yeah. Sarah even asks Diana, how does it feel being back? And she says, it feels right. And uh, yeah. That's yeah. Good. So before we wrap up, we have an email here um, from Yvonne and I'm just going to read that. So I came upon this series by accident. I've been binging True Blood and started reading the Sookie Stackhouse books. I came upon A Discovery of Witches by accident. At first, I did not think the actress that played Diana was so good, but I stuck with it. And I'm now reading the first book. It's very good. While True Blood seems more of a comic strip come to life and you can't beat Eric Northman, Matthew is quite mm. the sexy dish. The mm. book is pretty intense and well-written. I can almost believe that vampires exist just by watching this series. I actually feel the same way about that. Um, mm-hmm. It's so realistic. Uh, she loves our show. Thank you. Uh, and use it as a guide to the book. Oh, that's nice. Even though we don't really talk about the book. But, uh, um, uh, and she would love to know our thought, our take on True Blood. All the actors do an amazing job and should get some recognition for their abilities in this series. I agree. I think it's a shame that nobody's been nominated for any what are the TV awards? Emmys. Emmys. There we go. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's just finishing up book one and excited to finish up the series and the other books. So what are your thoughts on True Blood? I know you've watched it. I have not because, well, I just never did. And then it went on for a really long time. And then it was mm-hmm. too much. And I was like, nope. So I read all the books and then I watched some of the show. I didn't watch all of the show. Um, when I started watching the show, I didn't like it because it's different from the books. And right. as we know, particularly in the past, I have had issues when the adaptations of my books didn't go the way I wanted them to. Right. Um, but I gave it another chance. and I really did fall in love with the show. Um, it was a really, really good show until it got to about season five. I think it's season five. Um and it's at, at that point, it jumped the shark for me and completely, completely departed from the books. And I couldn't, I, I couldn't deal with it. And I never actually finished the show. Um, sometimes I think about going back and doing it just because the, the casting uh, was so good and the acting is so good. Um, it's just the writing got a little weird for me at around the season five mark. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on it. I guess if you're into vampire shows, it's a good place to go. Once this season is over and we don't have any more of this. There are like witches and things in that also, right? Yes. Yes. I know so much. (laughs) Uh, There are also werewolves and vampires and other things that are spoilery if I talk about them. But yeah, no, it's good. Like it's the show that made me fall in love with Alexander Skarsgård. It's Uh the first thing I ever saw with him in it. And it's also the first thing I ever saw that had, um, I, I'm going to screw up his last name, but Joe Mantagliona, however you say his last name. I don't oh, know. Um, um, I need to see it written down. I know who you mean. Yeah. Yeah. This was the first thing I ever saw him in too. And it. Uh, Mangen. Man, oh, yes. I have heard it spoken. <laughs> Mangello? Something like that. It. I know I've heard it um, spoken, but. Uh. Yeah. I like him because he's a big nerd. Yes, he is a big nerd. Oh, he was on Big Bang Theory for a couple episodes, and they did like a D and D campaign. It was fantastic. Oh, I like him less because I hate the Big Bang Theory so much. Oh, I love the Big Bang Theory. I despise it. Uh, something else that we have are on opposite on. sides of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just uh, thank you, Yvonne, for your very nice email and for listening to the show. I appreciate that. 
So we would love to know what all of you think of season three so far. You can tweet at us at Desire Made Real or email us at DesireMadeRealPod at gmail.com. I'm Caitlin, and you can follow me and find my other shows on Twitter at InferiorCaitlin. Though I was thinking about this, and I feel like maybe I should warn people that if you follow me on Twitter right now, it's not fun. I just complain about my current health problems. So if you don't want medical stuff, don't follow me. <laughs> oh, you tweeted about something recently that wasn't about that. But I can't remember what it was, so I that's not I think I helpful. tweeted about how I'm a tea snob. <laughs> you went to brunch. I went to brunch? Oh, I went you to... Went to you went to brunch and you enjoyed it. But I think that was because you had to go to a doctor thing. So it was still technically tangentially uh, health yes, related. I had to get blood work done <laughs> yesterday and I had to go to the hospital for it, which sucked. So then when uh, I got home, I ordered in brunch and I was like, I'm not moving from this couch ever again. Oh, winning. Yeah. All right. I am Mandy Kay, and you can find this show and all of the other Eloquent Gushing shows on eloquentgushing.com. We are also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing. Or you can give me a shout out over on Twitter at Mandy K, although I'm not super active on Twitter right now, except to post my daily Wordle. God, I hate Wordle. You what? I, but I don't play Wordle and I don't want to get into it, but my entire Twitter timeline is just these nonsensical Wordle things <laughs> that people have tried to explain to me and I'm still like, no, this makes zero sense. I read the tweets and I'm like... Oh, yeah, no, no, the tweets don't what? make any sense at all. It doesn't give you any information. It doesn't tell you anything. Yeah. But that's the reason. I, it's FOMO for me. Everybody else was doing it, so I decided I wanted to do it, too. See, I got, like, the opposite thing where I'm like, everyone else do it, so I'm not touching this with a 10-foot pole. Yeah. Which makes me kind of stuck up, but whatever. Anyways, join us next week as we talk about episode seven, the very last episode. Whoa. And Miriam kicks in a door. Nice. I forgot about so. that. Yeah. That's my whole note about next week. Miriam kicks That's in all door. we're going to talk about. An hour yep. of just Miriam kicking in a door. <laughs> uh, until we meet again, remember that with every ending, there is a new beginning. Ready when you are. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Desire Made Real, a discovery of Witches podcast where we recap every episode of this. Blech. <laughs> that didn't work. I don't think you ever don't messed know. that up. I know. I don't know what just happened there. All right. Let's try that again. We are so, we are like the most professional podcasters yeah. ever. Well, I mean, I'm cutting some of this out. Don't worry.